Welcome to Passion Life Church. Today we conclude an incredible series that we've simply entitled Lids. And the goal of the series is really to take the lid off your life. That's honestly when life is the best. You know, we're heading into the, the uh, Thanksgiving season. And I think about, I don't know if you're like me, but when we get someplace and maybe you brought your side dish like to the Thanksgiving meal and it's got a lid on it because maybe you traveled and maybe that lid is like the tin foil that you put on there and you get over and everybody starts talking. And if you're not like me, that's okay. And those of you that are like me, maybe identify, but you're at the, the Thanksgiving dinner and everybody's talking and you're just kind of looking at the food that's all covered. And you're like, okay, so when are we going to get into that? And, or you walk around and you go, I don't want to be the first one to take those lids off, but we need to eat. Have you ever felt that way? And then there's some people that have the gift of gab in your family. They just keep talking and you're like, I came here to eat and I don't want to look too desperate and taking off those lids of the Tupperware. But how many of you would honestly say, with nobody else looking around, that you've actually took, taken a lid off and kind of grabbed some food? Let me see your hands. All right, good. You're my kind of people, right? The other of you that are disciplined, pray for us, okay? But life is better when the lid is off. Can I hear a good amen? And that's the goal of the series. Jesus said something so profound. He says, I have come that you may have life and life more abundantly. Actually, the word means this, life to the full God wants us to have. And as we talk about lids, I think sometimes we don't realize that we can have different lids that are holding us back. You know, we talked about the lid of limitations, who you surround yourself with. We talked about four guys who went and got their friend who couldn't walk. And we said the right people at the right place, the right things can happen. They lifted the lid and they took this guy to Jesus. You know, we can have lids when we believe lies. A lot of times people are just believing lies that aren't true. And that becomes the lid in their life. You know, last week we talked about the lid of loss. And, um, you know, with that message last week, it'll be up this week on the podcast. I, I was going into the week and I thought, man, we're going to talk about the lid of loss. But how, how does this really apply to everyone? But in reality, all of us have experienced some type of loss or could experience some type of loss in the future. And I had a gentleman tell me at Life Group this last Tuesday, he said, um, Phil, you don't know how much the lid of loss this last week, that message really, really touched me. He said on Friday, um, you didn't know this, but he said, I lost my job. He said, I lost my job. He said, you want to talk about loss? He said, but I, I heard the message. And so here's what happens in the lid of loss. You can focus so much on the loss that you can get bitter and resentful. And then when a new opportunity presents itself, you're not ready for it because you're so focused on the loss. Come on, somebody. And so he said that message really helped me. But guess what? Thank God he got a new job on that week, Monday. He got a brand new job. Yeah, come on, let's give the Lord a better round of applause than that. But if we're not careful, we can just so focus on the loss that we don't see new opportunities. Can I hear a good amen? And so, you know, I just believe that God wants us to just take the lid off. You know, I truly believe that in these times and with these series, I know they're cute little titles sometimes, but I really believe God has a word in season. Just like that man who said, 
I heard the lid of loss. You know, Proverbs tells us that a word in season, how wonderful it is in our lives. And so this morning, let's open up our hearts. Today, I want to talk about, as we conclude this series, what I call the lid of liability. The lid of liability. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. I think when you think about the word liability, if you have an accounting background and accounting background, you, you know that word. Or if you sold insurance or bought insurance, you know what the word liability is. And I do believe in liability uh, insurance. But the word liability actually can be something that we perceive can happen that's going to happen in our life that's going to put us at a disadvantage. The synonym for liability is actually the word fear. Somebody say fear. But the absent, the actually the opposite of that word fear is asset. Or the opposite of the word liability is the word asset. You know, in my relationships, I want to be an asset, not a liability. I want to look for people in my life that are going to be an asset, not, <laughs> I almost said something else, but I'm not going to say it. I rebuke you, devil, for putting that in my, my mind. I'm casting that imagination down. Whew, something just came to my mind. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to say it. But my ADD kicks up every once in a while. I have ADD, ADHD, AT&T, Verizon Wireless. It's all going on in my head. But I'll tell you this. I want to be an asset to my friends. I don't want to be a liability. You know, and I want to look for people in my life to come into my, they're going to be an asset. Can I hear a good amen? But I think what happens is in life, we can have a liability mentality. Now that word liability is taken from the Latin word that means to bind. So in other words, what we're going to do today is we are going to do some unwrapping and we're going to believe that there's going to be some lids taken off that have bound you up. Can I hear a good amen? Come on, let's look in Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. And what Jesus is going to do, and he's going to show us that the way to rip off this lid of human liability is to take some risks in our lives. That's really how we take the lid off of this mentality is by taking some risks. Matthew chapter 25, verse 14. I know you love the word of God, so is it all right if I read a couple verses here? Matthew chapter 25, verse 14, it says, For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. Now, whose goods were they? Okay, let me read that again. For the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. So whose goods were they? They were his goods, right? Verse 15. And to one he gave five talents and to another he gave two talents each according to their own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who received the five talents went and traded them and made five talents. And likewise, he who received two gained two more. But he who had received one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his Lord's money. So here it is again. It's his talents. It's his money. Verse 19. 
After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with him. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said, well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful in a few things. Somebody say few things. I will make you ruler over many things. I listen. I love this. Listen to these words. Enter into the joy of the Lord. He also who had received two talents came and said to him, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents besides him. His Lord said to him, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And he who had received the one talent came and said, uh, um, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you didn't sow and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. But his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant. I don't know about you. Call me anything, but don't call me lazy. I don't, that's, a, that's just me. That one really bothers me right there. I don't even care you call me wicked. Just don't call me lazy. I don't like that one. But his Lord answered and said, you wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I did not sow. Now watch, he's just telling him back what he said, right? He says, you know that I have gathered where I have not scattered seeds, so you ought to have at least deposited my money with the bankers, right, at my coming, and I would have received back my own even with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. So the talent from him, give it to the one who has 10 talents, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance, but from him who does not have, even what he has, has will be taken away and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, obviously, this last servant is somebody who doesn't have the nature of the father or the master. He's somebody who doesn't know the master. And this is talking about him not going to heaven. But let me say it this way. This one will never experience the joy of the master. The joy of the master. You know, Jesus in this parable tells us what the kingdom of heaven is like. In other words, Jesus was saying, come on, this is how we roll. This is how I roll. I roll this way. I, this is how the kingdom of heaven is like. You want to know what the kingdom of heaven is like? This is what is, it is like. This is what it's like. It's like a master who takes his own goods and he gives it to his servants. Now, whose goods were they? They were the master's servants. Now, I want you to understand something. As Jesus is talking about this, he is talking to a culture and he's talking to people who have, 
have a class-based system, masters, servants, masters, servants. So they were surprised when Jesus said the master actually shared his goods with the servants. You know why? Because in that time, masters didn't share their goods with the servants. Aren't you glad today that we have a Lord, a God, a master who shares his goods with us? He shares his goods with us. Now, here's the question. What qualified them to get a talent? Now, a talent in this particular parable, as Jesus told stories, is a part or money. Everybody say money. Come on, say money. There's two things in church that make people laugh when they say money and sex. Come on, say money. All right, I won't have you say the other one because that's not what this series is about. But what qualified them? Some of you are thinking about it, though. Well, God made it. Come on, somebody. Man, I went to that church. I'll tell you what. They had hats on, and the pastor said sex. That's the church I want to be at. Come on, somebody. <laughs> what qualified them to get the talents? What qualified them to get what they got? Are you ready? Their own ability. Their own ability. So watch this, right? So Mr. Five-Talent Guy, he walks in, right? He shows up for his appointment. He knocks on the door, right? He's 10 minutes early, right? He's dressed to impress, right? He goes in and he talks to the master. The master looks at him, looks at his resume of his abilities, sees him, sees his approach, how he's approaching this interview, right? And he gives him five talents. Mr. Five Talent Guy says, thank you, master. I appreciate these five talents. And then he walks out the door, right? And then the next appointment shows up, Mr. Two Talent Guy shows up. He's got a smile on his face. He's smiling. He's professional, right? He's got a positive attitude, walks in, sits down. And then the master looks at his resume and says, hmm, I love these abilities that you got. Here, you get two talents. And then here comes Mr. One Talent Guy. Shows up at two o'clock, tells the secretary, I'm so sorry. I thought the appointment was at two. She's like, no, it was really at one, right? He's like, I'm so sorry. He's dressed in his gym clothes, right? And he's like, to be honest with you, he's telling the master secretary, I'm just tired. I stayed up all last night binge watching Game of Thrones. Didn't go to bed till 3 a.m. Got up around 12 and drank my protein shake, went to the gym, and I just, and she's like, well, I sent you a text. I sent you a reminder of the time, but you didn't text back. And he's like, all right. And she's like, but the master's still going to see you, right? So he goes into the master's office in his gym clothes, right? And he's sweating and he's sitting down and the master looks at his resume. He was late. He looks at and finds some abilities and he says, you get one talent. How did he give the talents based on their own ability? Pastor Phil, are you telling me that even with low talent guy, one talent guy, he still got something? Yeah, here's the good news is that God looks at our ability and he gives everybody something. 
Everybody in this room has something that God has given you. And here's the cool thing. He gives it according to your ability. Watch this. So if he gives it to me according to my ability, that means God never gives me anything that I can't handle. Because he always gives it according to what? My own ability. Come on, somebody. So here's the thing. If God gave it to you, you can handle it. If God gave you a talent, you can handle it. You can handle it. Why? Because he gives it according to your own ability. Come on, say it with me. Say, I can. I can handle it. Come on, say it. I can handle it. Here's the great thing I love about God. He shares his good, but he gives everybody something. So watch this. So God deposits something in your hand that has the potential to increase your life. Let me say that again. It's on the screen. God deposits something in your hand that has the potential to increase your life. Can I hear a good amen? You have something. Come on, turn to your neighbor real quick and say, you have something. See, watch this. God never leaves someone without something that they can use to increase their life. This particular parable is about the kingdom of heaven and how God puts things, talents in your hands. Why did he give them talents? He gave them talents to increase their life. We read the story, right? The five guy produced five, two produced two. So what I have in my hand can actually produce something. Can I hear a good amen? And so God has placed resources and talents in your head. Now, if you will take some risk and take off this lid of liability, you can create a future for yourself. Yeah, come on, let's give the good Lord a good round of applause. Now, let me give you a spoiler alert. A spoiler alert. How many of you like spoiler alerts? I love reading on Facebook and they're talking about music, movies and they give us a warning. They say, hey, before you read this, this is a spoiler alert. I'm going to give you a spoiler alert, but it's not really a spoiler alert because we already read the story. So you already knows what happened. But I want to tell you, we need to understand what this parable about is about. And the parable is about the kingdom of, getter, of heaven. Watch this. And it is about how the kingdom operates, but it's also about what the master expects from his servant. You want to know what the master expects and his goal is for his servants? Because this is the great news. He expects and his goal for his servants is that you enter into his joy. Let me say it this way. What the master was doing by giving the talents to those people is he was saying, I want you to live at a master's level, not a servant's level. So I'm putting, yeah, you can give the Lord a good round of applause. That's the whole goal. So he wants us as his people to enter into his joy. He wants us to live how he lives. That's why he made you in his image. He didn't make you in his image so you can live a life that has a lid on it that's less than what he has to give you. So he gave you creativity. He gave you a mind. He gave you ability. He gave you talent. And here's what I found out about God. I found out that whatever gives my master joy, whatever gives God joy, watch, will give me joy. Let me say that again. Here's what I found out in my walk with God is that whatever gives him joy, if I find out what gives him joy, I will have joy. What do you mean, Pastor Phil? When I love what God loves, I experience true love. When I love what he loves. Let me say it this way. When I love what God loves, 
But let me also say it this way. When I hate what God hates, I also experience the life that he has for me. Do you know that God hates sin? He hates it. Now why? Now, see, some of you, when I said that, you heard God hates sinners. That's not what I said. God doesn't hate sinners. He loves people. But he hates sin. Now, I'm going to tell you why he hates sin. Point blank. He hates sin because it takes away the very life that he came to give you. You know, the Bible says in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 6, verse 23, for the wages of sin is death. So the wages means consistent, right? This pattern of sin, the wages of sin eventually is going to cause death in your life. God hates death. That's why even as a Christian, when you die, you don't die. You died when Jesus died on the cross. So here's what happens. You just change locations. As a Christian, to bow your head and take your last breath on earth, you will take your first breath in heaven. Watch this. Listen, the Bible says that death has no sting for the believer. Oh, they suffered. No, death had no sting. They were like Star Trek. Boom, beat me up, Scotty. It's done. Wham, bam, that's it. It's done. When you take your last breath here, you'll take it your first breath in heaven. Because why? God, God doesn't want us to die. He gave us everlasting life. And you want to talk about everlasting life? Everlasting life with him. Like he loved you so much, he didn't want to live heaven without you. Man, that's so powerful to me. So powerful. But that's why he hates sin, right? And to the degree that he hates sin is the degree that he loves you. God hates sickness. Let me say that again, because some of you aren't convinced. God hates sickness. God hates cancer. And to the degree that if my son ever had cancer, to the degree that I hate cancer would be the degree that I love my son. Because I love my son, but I hate cancer. So when I understand why God hates the things he hates, I need to start hating sin so I can experience the joy that he has. I have to hate sin so I can experience the life that he has. Can I hear a good amen? So the master's goal was that the servants live on his level, the master's level. But see, what happens with a liability mentality is that we'll never live on the master's level. Do you know that God has given you everything you need to experience his joy and live on his level? How do you know that, Phil? Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Look what it says. It says, his divine power. Come on, everybody say power. His divine power has given to us some things. What does it say? All things that pertain to life. Ooh, there's that word, life. Didn't Jesus say, I am the way, the truth, and the death? Is that what he said? No, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the, the life. I'm life to you. Life. He says that he gives us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge. See, here's the, the challenge. People don't know. This is why it's important that we come to church. But we want to have the knowledge so we can live in the life that the master wants us to have. And so he gives us, he has given us to all things. Now notice something. This is given. This is past tense. It's already been given to you. It's been given to all of us that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us by glory and virtue. So my church family, he has already given you everything you need to live and enter into his joy. Isn't that a good word? 
See, we could pray right now and go home. But you know what? It doesn't end there. Because I believe God wants us to take off this lid of limitation. And let me give you three ways that we can do that. Here's number one. See, if we're going to take off the lid of limitation in this parable, it shows us you increased you increase when you invest, but if you withhold, you'll do without. Let me say that again. You will increase when you invest. If you withhold, you'll do without. Man, this scripture really means a lot to me. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24. It says this, one person gives freely, yet gains more. That doesn't even make sense if you don't understand the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God says, if you will lose your life, you will find it, right? I was looking for life. I was looking, I did everything my friends told me. I went to all the parties. I smoked the drugs, did the things that they said, and there was no life in there because the wages of sin is death, not life, right? So here's what I did. I said, God, I got down on my knees at 19 years old and I said, God, if you don't show me that you are real, I'm gonna take my life. And he spoke to me. There was the first time I heard his voice and he said this, he said, take your life. And I said, what are you talking about, Willis? (laughs) He said, take your life and give it to me and I'll give you a life that you've never imagined. And that night, I died. Phil Valdez, old Phil Valdez gave his life to Christ. Here's what happened. I lost my life, gave it away, and he gave me his abundant life that he comes to give. But Proverbs eleven twenty four 24 says, one person gives freely, yet we gain more. Can I just tell you, the life he give me, gave me has never and could never compare to the life I had. And so when you give him your life, you gain. But watch this. Listen, my church family. But another one withholds unduly and comes to poverty. See, we think that if we withhold and we hold on, that we're going to have prosperity. Actually, if you don't invest, right, you will never increase. If you withhold, that's when you do without. Because that's what investing is. Investing is risking. Come on, somebody say risking. And it's risking that takes the lid off this mentality of liability. And it's interesting because the five talent people, they invested the five. That who gave them? God gave them. God never asks you to invest what you don't have. Let me say it this way. God never asks you to invest in what he, God never asks you to invest without giving you something to invest with. He never asks you to invest with something that he has not given you. That's a just God, right? Now, the two takes two, what does he do? He invests it, right? And he gets two more. Now watch this, I want you to understand this. The guy who has five talents invests five, he gets five more. But one talent guy, remember one talent guy, he's gonna lose his because he buried it and his one is going to go to five talent guy who now, listen, not only has five more, which is 10, but he has 11. That tells me that there are going to be blessings and opportunities that people don't take a hold of that God will give me. 
I want to be the five talent guy. Now, here's the thing. Watch this. God gave them all the same opportunity, different numbers. Listen, but the same opportunity. Now, I'm no mathlete. I did not do good in math. But here's, I've read this so many times. God gave one five. God gave one two. And he gave another one. He gave them all something, but all the opportunity to have a hundredfold return. Because if you have five, you get five. That's a hundred. A hundredfold return. If you have two, you get two. Listen, that's a hundredfold return. If you have one, you make one. That is a hundredfold return. He gave all of them something and he gave all of them the opportunity to be blessed. Can I hear a good amen? Amen. But here's the thing. We have to understand risking is having faith. That's how we spell faith at this church. Risk. R-I-S-K. You know what the word risk actually means? It means to run to danger. Run to danger. I love what David did. Do you know the Bible says that David ran? Come on, everybody say run. Run. David ran. He ran to Goliath. All the men, the Navy SEALs, right, and all the Power Rangers from the children of Israel were shocked looking at his stature. And here comes a young man, and he's running. He's risking. He's running to the giant. I always tell people, listen, you need to start running to your giants. Listen, you need to stop. When I got this revelation, I was in debt. Can I just tell you this? And I would not. This is probably, I don't know, 15 years ago. But when I got this revelation, right, the debts would, the payers would call to collect, and I would just not answer, Right? Because I would run from them. But I, I was like, you know what? David ran to Goliath. So when they would start calling me, I would pick up the phone and I'd say, hello. And they'd say, yes, is this, you know how they stuck real professional. Is this Phil S. Valdez? Yes, it is. I am calling to collect a debt. I know you are. And I'm going to pay that debt. Now, I didn't have the money. But I'm like, I'm going to pay that debt. And you know what? I'm going to take care of this thing. And I'm like, I don't even know what I'm, but you know what I did? I started running to the battle. I started running to my giants and not hiding from them. And you know what? God took care of my debt and God gave me. And I used the talents that he gave me to see increase in my life that took care of the debt that I had. But here's the thing. I had to risk. I had to run to the danger, not run away. See, I think for some of you, the devil's biggest thing in your life is not to get you to sin. The devil's biggest thing in your life is to get you to play it safe. His biggest thing for you is just play it safe and it can happen, right? We have disappointments. So we put up walls and then what do we do? We start to play it safe, go into safe mode. Oh, my heart got broken. I don't want my heart to get broken. We put up walls. So we start to play it safe. Oh, Pastor Phil, I had a financial failure. You know what? We put up walls and we go into safe mode. And here's what happens. Guess what? We start to take steps back when we should be taking steps forward forward and we start to take the talents that we have and we start to bury them and hide them. And here's number two, if we're going to take the lid off of this liability mentality, we have to start building and stop burying. What God put in your hand was not to bury. What God put in your hand was for you to use to build the future that he has for you to enter in to the joy of the Lord and live at the master's level, not to bury what he gave you. Come on, can I hear a good amen? 
You have something in your hand. It's funny because Moses has this amazing, right, time with God, the burning bush. I mean, can you imagine you walk into your living room and the couch is on fire and God is speaking to you, right? And you see the fire, but the couch isn't burning. And you're like, what's going on? And he's like, Phil, right? And he's talking to you. And Moses is like, who, who do I say sent me? And you know what? One of the things that God asks Moses, he asks him a simple question. He's Moses like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. He asks him this. He says, what do you have in your hand? What do you have in your hand? Moses is like, I have a stick. I have Groot. I am Groot. I have Groot in my hand. I have a stick. He says, lay down what's in your hand. And it became supernatural. Pick it up. Because here's, watch this. Can I just give you a nugget this morning? God's going to use what you have in your hand to do what you have in your heart. Moses, watch, Moses was a deliverer. He was a deliverer. His heart wanted to deliver the children of Israel. So to the point that he actually killed somebody. He went around it and went about it the wrong way. But here's the thing. He went back into the desert. And it's amazing what God can do, right, with a murderer. He can turn a murderer into a missionary. Right? So when you think you got a pass, talk to Moses and talk to Paul. They actually murdered people. Now, if you have murdered people, just don't tell us, please. But I will tell you that God will forgive you. And God says, Moses, what do you have in your hand? Watch. God was going to use what Moses had in his hand to give him what Moses had in his heart. So God was going to use the tool. Let me say it this way. The talents that he had in his hand to bring about what he put in his heart. When they got at the Red Sea, the Red Sea, it looked like they were stuck. There was a lid, we can't move forward. And you know what's interesting? I love this part. Moses looks and he's like, God, can you, what are you gonna do? And God actually says, why are you praying to me? What is in your hand? Stretch it out. Come on, say stretch it out. See, sometimes we're praying about what we need to be stretching about. We need to be looking. God's like, I put that in your hand. Can you stop praying about these things? It's already in your hand. You've got it, but you can't bury it. What I've put in your hand, I want you to use to build a life that can increase and affect the kingdom of heaven. Remember, this is what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Is this good this morning? So God wants you to invest. God wants you to build. You can take this principle in any area of your life, right? I always say this, the family that you have is the family that you build. The friends that you have are the friends that you build. Well, Pastor Phil, I just don't have any friends. You know what's really kind of weird? Has you ever had a friend tell you that? That's weird where they're looking straight in the face and you thought you were friends and they look at you and they go, I don't have any friends. You're like, ah, what am I? <laughs> but you know what's amazing? If you don't build the friends that you have, if you can't take care of one friend, if you're not faithful with the few friends you have, if there's a friend looking you in the face and listening to you, and the only thing you're doing is complaining because you don't have friends, you will never be faithful over more friends because you can't see what's right in front of you because you're not grateful for the one thing that God has put in your life. And here's the thing. 
But I, oh, that's really, I don't have any friends. You have no friends because you don't invest. So you don't increase. You know what you do? You withhold your friendship so you do without. The Bible says, in other words, that we have to be friendly to have friends. That is risk. I know it's tough. I know people are weird. You know, somebody was saying something about me and fine, whatever. I, I, and I was just telling this person, I said, you know what's funny to me is I like, I like to go out to eat, right? Like that's no secret. And they were just basically saying how these, these people were complaining that I'm not their friend or whatever. And I said, you know what's funny? Every relationship that I have in the church, I invest in. I said, there has never been one time where those people have ever called me and said, hey man, can I take you out to eat? Because I would have said yes. <laughs> I would have, and I would have remembered. But see, here's what we can do. We can always expect other people to invest and invest and invest. And I'm going to tell you this. And you can make investments, investments. But when people don't reciprocate, people get tired and they walk away. And what's important is that if you want friends, you need to invest. Listen, you don't have to buy me a, a, a meal. You can buy me a coffee. And all those, you don't have to do that to me. Do that to the people that you want to be friends with. Say, hey, can I take you out for a cup of coffee? I would encourage you to do that next Sunday as you come to church. Look for family. Say, hey, can we go out to eat? Right? You make that investment. Can I hear a good amen today? But we've got to be building and not bearing. Do you know that God is a builder? Watch. You are created in his image. Watch this. Do you know that you are an entrepreneur because God is an entrepreneur? Do you know that God is creative? All this thing, Right? Is, is, is God. He made the universe. He made the earth. You have creativity inside of you. Oh, no, I don't. I'm just a stay-at-home mom. Okay, let me ask you a question. Have you ever had to invent a game for your kids to play so they are not bored and you give them the toy that they want and they end up playing with the box that the toy came in? And then that's not good enough. And then you start making up games. You know what that is? That's the creativity and the creator working on the inside of you because he wants you to live at the master's level. Do you know that God is an investor as well? He did, yeah. He invested his only son, Jesus, into a world with no guarantees that people would respond. And he gave his best. He's an investor. So these are his nature. Do you know that when he told the guys with the talents, well done, good and faithful, servant. Watch this. Do you know why he liked that? Because we have a God who is good and faithful. Can I hear a good amen? And see, so here's what happens is God is also a builder. This is why, bless you, that's why he wants you to build. You know what he is building? Jesus said, I will build my church. He is building the church, not just Passion Life. We are one church in many churches and many churches in the world. But I want to be a part of what Jesus is building. Today, when you gave into the offering, you're giving into building what Jesus is building. He will bless you. When we serve, we are building what Jesus is building. I want to be a part of what Jesus is building. I really do. But here's what these guys did. See, what they did was they exposed their fear to the master and buried their talent. But here's what champions do. See, champions have fear as well. But what champions will do is champions bury their fear and expose their talent. Yeah. Let me say that again. Champions bury their fear. So I have fear right now. I'm wearing a hat and I kind of look weird. But I don't think about that. 
I bury that and I want to show you the talent that God and the ability that God has given me. But what we do is we will bury the talent and expose the fear. Well, I'm just shy. I'm just shy. Okay, I'm going to pray for you. Lift your head up. Jesus loves you. And all you have, here's the easiest way to start a conversation. Hi. Right? We have to bury our fear and expose the talent. My church family, this is the attributes and the nature of God. Now, sometimes we bury because we are comparing. Let me say that again. Sometimes we bury because we are comparing. We compare ourselves. You think that, oh, using your talent is this. No, this is me using my talent. Here's the cool thing. God never keeps you accountable for what he gave somebody else. He only keeps you accountable for what he gave you. That when we stand before God, he's not gonna ask you what you did with Phil's talent. He's gonna ask you one simple question. What did you do with what I gave you? you with what I gave you. But 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says this, for we dare not class ourselves or compare ourselves with ourselves who commend ourselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves is not wise. Comparison will keep the lid of liability on your life. Be the you that God has called you to be. Don't compare yourself. Listen, now I think some comparing is good. Listen, I love this quote. Don't compare yourself to what I have, but compare yourself to my hustle. You may not have what I have. There's a lot of people, I don't have what they have, but I love their hustle. I love their work ethic. You know what? I want to be more like that. And what I found that is very interesting is that we can learn and we can grow and be building. You know, I found out that there's a couple leaders I really like, and they were talking about how many books that they would read. And, uh, and I'm like, how do they read so many books? Well, you know what? I found out the way they hustle. How do they hustle? They get a, a subscription to audiobooks.com and they fast forward and put the speed up just a little bit from a 1.2, maybe a two, and in their car, instead of listening to Kiki, do you love me, right? Instead of listening to that, right? They are pouring into themselves and learning how to use their talents. And I'm like, you know what? I can do that too. 10 bucks a month, audiobooks.com. And already I've read two books or listened to two books. Why? Because I want to be a builder and an investor and not burying. Can I hear a good amen? I may not be able to compare myself to what they have, but I can compare myself to their hustle. And there's some people in this room, you hustle, man. You have a work ethic. And the kingdom of God is about not only investing, but working with what God has put in your hand. My church family, you need to work it. Come on, say, work it. Now watch this. This parable is not about the talents that you don't have. Listen, here's number three. Do you know that this, parent, this, this parable isn't even about the talents that you do have? This parable, and here's number three, it's about what are you doing with what you have? What are you doing 
with what you have. Can I ask you a question? What are you doing with the money that God gave you? Because in reality, when you get a job, and we said this and we believe this, that all the good comes from him, so he gives you the blessing. What are you doing with the money that he gave you? Can I ask you this? What are you doing with the relationships that he gave you? What are you doing with the kids that he gave you? Husbands, what are you doing with the wife he gave you? I thought I'd hear a good amen from the wives right there, but that's okay. Wives, what are you doing with the husband that God gave you? Come on, can I hear a good amen? This unfaithful servant in this parable didn't so much as waste the master's money. Here's what he wasted, an opportunity. The opportunity. And as a result, he was called a wicked and lazy servant. Now I'm going to tell you why. Can I tell you a secret? I've never really heard this preached and I've, I've preached this so many times. I'm going to tell you insight. I believe the Lord showed me. Do you know that the master never gave them instructions on what to do? Never gave them instructions. He just gave them the talents. Now you and I, we have the word of God, but in this parable, it's interesting. Watch this. How did five talent guy know to invest? How did he know how to do that? How did two talent guy know how to invest? Here's why. They had the nature and they just didn't want to be a servant. They had the nature of the master. And so what is the master's nature, right? The master's nature is generosity. The master's nature is enter into my joy. They didn't have a slave servant mentality, these two guys. They had a master mentality. That's why the one with the one talent said, I knew and I was afraid. I knew you to be a hard man. He did not have the nature and know what the master is like. You know what? Slaves and servants, when you have that mindset, only do what they're told. But these two guys, five talent, two talent guy, there was something in them. There was a nature. It was the nature of the master. And that nature is a nature of faith. It's a nature of risk. It's a nature, nature of generosity. It's a nature of building. Can I hear a good amen, somebody? And so they did what was in their nature of the master. That's why the master said, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. That is my goal for each and every one of you. My church family, God never wanted servants. He always wanted sons. He always wanted people that would believe like him, act like him. That's why he made us in his image. But I want you to know something. God takes account of what he's giving you. And here's the thing. He knows exactly the amount of talents that he's given you. And he's going to ask you, what did you do with what I gave you? What did you do? And when we invest our talents and the gifts and the abilities that he's given us, he gives back to us. Watch, isn't this credible? So our 
job is to look for opportunities to invest those talents. That's our job. He gives us the talents. I want to look for opportunities. Can I encourage you here at Passion Life Church? There's many opportunities that you can start using the gifts and the talents that God has given you. And here's what he does. When you use those, he gives you more. And not only does he give you more talents, watch this, he gives you more opportunities and more opportunities start to open up. And guess what? You begin to increase more. And as you get more talents, you look for more opportunities. And guess what? You start to begin to increase in your life. Can I hear a good amen? And I want to end with these last three things because I believe every single one of us have abilities. There's three abilities that I believe all of us can have. You know what? Number one, we all have the ability to have a positive attitude. Can I hear a good amen? You have that ability. You know, according to Carnegie Research, 93% of people who lost their job lost their job not because of competency, competency issues, but because of their attitude. 93%. See, this is what your attitude is. Your attitude is your inward view of the outward things in life. Inward view, outward things in life. Do you know if you had a positive attitude, you'd make more money? I would rather have a person that is positive than a person that is gifted and talented. I would rather have attitude is actually everything. Can I tell you, you can have this attitude. Here's the ability you can have. You can have the attitude. I'm going to do my best. You know, when Jacob was learning the lights, he would get frustrated. He's like, man, I'm looking at YouTube and all these things. And I would just say, look, man, we don't expect perfection. Here's what we expect. Just do your best. I don't expect my son to make straight A's. Here's what I expect. Do your best. You know what? If you'll do your best, God will do the rest. And so here's the thing. I want to give my best all the time. That is an attitude. And your attitude is actually the hinge that the door of your destiny swings on. And your attitude is either closing doors for you or opening them for you. Paul, can you hear this this morning? You can have a positive attitude. Well, there's so many negative things going on. I know, but attitude is a choice that we choose. And here's what I want to do. I want to choose. I'm not going to let the outward affect my inward. I'm going to choose that God is on my side. And if he is before me, then nobody can be against me. Can I hear a good amen? You can have a positive attitude. Here's number two. Second ability that we all can have is to seize moments to seize moments. God brings opportunities into our lives for us to see. Listen, church statistics say that if people don't find a friend in the church within two weeks, they usually don't stay at the church. Can I just tell you, I'm gonna dismiss you in the next five minutes and you're gonna walk in that lobby and you're gonna have opportunities all around you of people to say hi to, to get to know, to their opportunities. Whether you seize them or not is a decision. I put this in my notes, and I didn't mean to be profound, but I put this, I choose my choices. I choose my choices. I choose to seize moments. Are you seizing every moment? Watch this. Or are you just going through the motions? I don't even want to have friends that are just, hi, Phil, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Okay, let's go. I love living in the moment. You know, we had a moment in worship. Did you seize it? I mean, that's why we get here early, not because the worship isn't, and we're doing all this so you can have 10 or 15 minutes to get here before the sermon. No, the worship is so we can have moments with God that we seize, that can change the course of this week, that can empower us to make a difference. 
I love this quote. It says, life is not measured by the number of breaths you take, but by the moments that take your breath away. I love that. You have the ability to seize the moments. And here's the last one for today. You have the ability to know the master. This guy was wicked and lazy, but you know what he could have done? I don't know. If when somebody gives me something, he got one talent. Even though he was low ability, he still got something. Wouldn't that make you want to know that person? The God who gave you life, the God who gave you the talent. And here's the truth, my church family. We're as close to God today as we want to be. God has put something in your hand today that has the capacity to increase your life. If you withhold it, you don't invest it, and you don't give, you will do without. But God in his nature always supplies. And it takes faith. It's risk to say, God, I want to invest my talents. I want to give your goods. As you bless me, I want to be a blessing to other people. That's the life. And today, I'm going to pray that God will infuse your life with some faith today. Would you close your eyes for just a moment as we end today? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.